Hey there, guys. Uh, I'm just dropping in here before we start the podcast just to let you know that we are coming to the end of season one. It has been an incredible journey for me uh, as a podcaster new to this, and I I just want to thank you all for being a part of it. Uh, We've heard some incredible people, and we have definitely more to come down the line, but we're going to be ending uh, this first season in the middle of December. We have a couple more episodes, uh, two two more bonus episodes as well, Uh, but I want to tell you some great news. Even though we are taking a pause on your authentic life. I'm going to be releasing six episodes, one season long of authentic you, uh, book podcast. Uh, this is going to be, um, me talking about the book, the different chapters and the journey along the way of making the book. I may have some special guests on there as well. So, uh, keep an eye out for that. It'll be starting right after, uh, this season ends, which is going to be in a couple weeks. Uh, we, I will keep you posted as, uh, episodes go on again. Thank you so much for tuning into your authentic life weekly. Um, I can't thank you enough. So please go ahead and share this episode along with others. And yeah, let's get to it. You are now listening to Your Authentic Life with Josiah Ball. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into Your Authentic Life podcast. Uh, We've had incredible weeks uh, behind us and we have credible weeks ahead of us. But today, uh, if you are listening to this podcast, wherever you are, you are in for a special treat. We have uh, my worship leader at my church uh, on here. I asked her to come on and talk about worship and her heart, a little bit of her story uh, how she got into worship, and we're going to go through so much today. Uh, incredible heart for God, and just in the past few years that I've known her, to see her heart develop in worshiping God, in leading people in worship, and uh, so I'm not going to take much further to just ramble on. I just want to introduce Sarah McIntyre, the worship leader at my church in Rochester, New York. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you said yes. And um, Sarah, I just want to say thank you for first off saying yes to something that you were like, yeah, I don't know about podcasts. I'm like, come on, let's do this. It'll be great. <laughs> and uh, just just being led by God to say, you know, come come on and talk about it. So first off, thank you and for that for being on here. And second, I want you to tell people. A little bit about you right now, where you come from, what's a little bit of your story, and you can just take the stage. Okay, I'll try my best. Um, so I'm originally from Nashville, Tennessee. I went to college up in Binghamton, New York, and that's how I am in Rochester now. I actually um, started leading worship when um, I, I was part of a fellowship on campus called InterVarsity. It's where I met my husband, Trey. Shout out to Trey. Um, So that was my first experience leading worship. And then um, after we got married, we moved to Rochester, which is where he's from, and um, joined the church that we're at now, joined the team just as a worship team member. And then eventually through a number of circumstances uh, became the worship leader there. And I've been doing that for about three years now. Um, 
and really how the Lord called me into a position of leadership, not just as worship leader, but doing worship as my vocation, at least for now. I don't know Mm -hmm. what he has planned for the future, but um, it was pretty crazy um, how he did that. So I don't know if you want me to talk about that story at all. Yeah. So was it like, so were as a kid, was that something you desired or just to be like, I just want to sing or is it just like, oh, I want to lead worship? What was like the desire? Like what brought you into that? So as a kid, I always grew up like doing musical theater. I always, uh, I started songwriting when I was really young. So I've always been um, musically involved somehow. Actually, my uh, sister and I, when I was five years old, uh, we were up on stage with my mom and her bluegrass band. So that's awesome. <laughs> that's how I got started, uh, at least singing. But um, as far as worship goes, I, I don't think I ever thought of that as something mm-hmm that I wanted to do, um, until like God started changing my heart. I mean, I really, I've been a Christian since I was very young. Um, I gave my heart to the Lord at a very young age, but really didn't dedicate my life to him and know what that meant. Like the full extent of that until, um, I was about a senior in high school. And then I went off to college and, um, college my freshman year, I'm sure for everybody, it was super hard for me. Yeah. Um, but that was when I grew in my relationship with the Lord the most. Um, and so as my relationship with him grew deeper, um, you know, your heart starts to align with his will more. And I never, not never, but I didn't really know what that looked like. And so I was like, I, I'm a, I had a lot of existential crises. <laughs> I was like, as we all do. (laughs) What do I do? What do you want me to do? You know? Um, but yeah, basically when, as far as worship leading goes, our pastor asked me one day after I'd been on the team for about a year, um, he was like, Hey, you know what? I see a lot in you that you might not see yet, but I've been, he had been like praying and fasting about this for like six months. He wow. said before asking me, He's wow, like, but that's I a good pastor that, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He and his wife. So, um, he came to me and he was like, at first he was really vague. So I didn't know what he was asking. He was like, where do you see yourself in three years, five years, 10 years. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know the answers to your questions. And, um, basically eventually in that conversation, he said, the reason I'm asking you all these things is because I believe that you are our next worship leader. And I literally laughed at him. I was like, (laughs) funny, that's not going to happen. Wow. Like, no, this is why. And he literally listed out, um, all these reasons and, uh, characteristics and qualities that I had that made him believe this. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess those are true, but I still don't see the connection here. Um, And that turned into a bunch of conversations about calling and where calling comes from, like internally, the gifts that God has given you externally when church leadership sees something in you that you might not, um, all those sorts of things. And from the first time he asked me, I, I definitely said no. 
He asked me again. I said no again. Mm. And that from the first time to the time I actually became the worship leader, like a few months had passed by. So I straight up was like, absolutely not um, for a few reasons. But then Mm -hmm. God had other plans because um, I don't want to say he forced my hand, but basically he closed certain doors and shoved that one wide open. Um, So actually it was when I was away I was at a conference at the Belonging Co. back in Nashville, where I'm from. Nice. And that whole week um, leading up to the conference, I had been in Tennessee and just asking the Lord for direction, asking him um, what to do with my life, because I was at a point where I had like four different choices in front of me and had no clue. Yeah. And um, there are a lot of ways that the Lord spoke to me throughout that week that were just kind of crazy. And towards the end of the week, like when the conference was over the weekend, by that time I was like, Hmm, you know, maybe I should reconsider this. And then I got a call from, uh, our pastor and he was like, listen, like you don't really have a choice anymore because we don't have a worship leader anymore. So back, like you're our only option, at least as of right now. And then by that point I was like, okay, Lord, I guess yeah. I have to say yes. You know, um, a little bit of then, guilt trip, a whole lot of Jesus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it's been a huge blessing. Um, I'm really glad that the Lord did what he did. Yeah. Um, it's a blessing to us for sure. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really do. I, I do love it. So awesome. Well, and you also do music outside of that, um, under the name Sarah Rose. Is Rose your middle name or is it just? It is not. Uh, my no. middle name is Catherine. But, um, <laughs> which is, which means Rose in the Greek, probably. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Um, no, but Rose was, I wanted an artist name that wasn't cool. my name. Um, and so I talked through with a few people um, just mulling over what my name was going to be and asking the Lord again to um, help me to reveal the name that he wanted. Um, and through just like, it just popped up in conversation one time. And then as I began to think about it, um, I looked up what Rose meant. It meant it represents love, courage, Mm -hmm. beauty. Um, I really loved that. And then my grandmother, actually, she has this huge Rose garden, um, like massive. Wow. Uh, and she's part of the National Rose Society. She's won tons of awards. And so I grew up like with roses all around. Yeah. And then I specifically asked the Lord to give me a, a sign if this was going to be my name. And at the time, my husband and I were renovating the house that we're now in. And uh, for those who don't know, the house was like completely a mess, like junkyard basically had been vacant for three years all the shrubs outside were completely overgrown we had to gut the whole thing and in like the dead of winter not the dead of winter but it was like past time for blooming of roses Mm -hmm. the week that I asked God to um, help me see if this was going to be my name there was a rose bush in all the overgrown shrubbery and there two roses bloomed like when it was freezing outside, wow. which is like just impossible. Unheard so of. Like, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, okay, God, that's pretty awesome. So I guess that was my name. Um, 
but wow. yeah, I, I lead worship, but I also write, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I love songwriting. I always have. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I write pop music. I've done EDM music. That's um, great. And sometimes people question like, why aren't you doing worship music? Yeah. And you know, I, I do worship as my vocation, but as hopefully another vocation someday, like my goal as an artist is to bring the light of Jesus into the secular music world. Yeah. Um, not just clean music, but just like through music that gives people hope, encouragement, lets them know that they're not alone. Um, sometimes like me and my best friend, one of my best friends, your wife is my other best friend. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Abby. <laughs> um, but uh, one of my best friends, Molly uh, Cercina, she and I co-write together and we have snuck Jesus very clearly into um, a few of our songs that are in the EDM space, which is like known for being like riddled with drugs and like, yeah. all like acid darkness. trips. Yeah. yeah, acid. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's really um, why I wanted to pursue secular music versus i mean in a way in a way it is worship music you know you're you're everything you do is dedicated to god in the end right and so um and you're not out there like gangster rapping and stuff and like throwing <laughs> things down so but yeah that's awesome i just wanted to plug your stuff and in the description <laughs> we're we're gonna be posting it up in the description and stuff here some of your where they could find you on spotify and um thanks yeah Stream it 24-7, get her paid. <laughs> I went on for my music. I went on the other day just to see how much. I have like $20.87 from all the streams <laughs> I got. <laughs> I'm living it. Yeah. 20 bucks can pay for like some groceries at least. Yeah, yeah. something. Something. Pay, pay for it for another year to be on Spotify. That's yeah. what it'll do. <laughs> yeah, true. true. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, I just want to talk about worship like the heart of worship the what what do you think about worship culture today um versus uh not versus but like how how it's evolved over the years and really funny real quick i know that i don't know if you know this or not i heard the other day you know the song the blessing of course you do because you know belonging yeah. co and you know carrie job they had go, my bay. Yeah, they one. had to pay the Bible for those lyrics. Wait, seriously? Yeah, is that funny? That because is really funny. because it's it's directly from the Bible, yeah, from and the, yeah, and King James version is the only thing that's like public domain. Everything else is like copyright. What? Like Zondervan, they had to pay Zondervan for verses in the Bible. I was wondering. I was wondering when you said that, I was like, isn't the Bible public domain? But I didn't no. know that King no, James it's not. was the only. King James, because, yeah, the, I mean, when you're doing it, I don't know how it works, but I know that they had to, like, I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I just heard that the other day on some interview or something that they were, they were talking about that. And I was like, that is. I mean, how many worship songs have to do that? Because a lot of worship songs are from scripture. From scripture, I know. But it maybe is not direct quotes, not direct quotes. They change it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's super interesting. It's a translation yeah. of a translation, you know? So <laughs> yeah, it is interesting, but, um, 
Yeah, I thought that was so funny. I was like, paint the Bible's making money still, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, what when you prep for worship, what it or what is your I guess this is going back to you, then we'll get to the greater <laughs> okay. expansion of worship in our culture today. But um when you prep for your Sunday service or a worship service that you're going to be leading, what, what do you do? What is your go-to? I mean, you pray obviously, but then what, what is your, like, how do you prep for that? So as far as choosing set lists, Mm -hmm. um, I was taught this method and I think it is a great guideline for, um, at least starting to plan a set list. And we use the one, three, five method. Um, and basically the purpose of this method is to bring people, the people in the congregation, like from the point of welcoming the Lord into his house to a point of ascription and ascribing directly to him. So a one song would be um, a welcoming song, something that welcomes, um, just says like either, either welcomes the Lord into his house or is asking the people to be like, Hey, we're here to praise Jesus. Lift your eyes, yeah. to the Lord, like, Hey, we're here for him and reminding people of that. And that's how we typically like to start. Um, and then a three song would be um, anything that's a testimonial song. So you're singing about Jesus, but not mm. necessarily directly to him yet. So songs like, um, let me try and think of a one. So um, amen, simple gospel. I believe that Christ is my savior. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you're talking about like how I, you're declaring something like projecting it out. Heart, yeah. Uh, and you're singing about him um, or their congregational songs. Like that one says, let the church say, amen. Like mm-hmm. let the church, Hey, we're all here for him. Let us come together and worship him. Um, so that would be a three or anything that talks about like, um, like the story of the, the cross or the resurrection, um, just telling that story. And then a five would be like, you are worthy of it all yeah. like directly to the Lord. Direct we are driving to you. Um, we're here in your throne room. Um, and then twos and fours are like in between those two categories. So not everything fits into a perfect little category, obviously. So there's some in-betweeners in there too. Um, yeah. and so that's typically how I start. I'll start with the ascription song because I want to know where we're going before I plan the rest. That's awesome. Um, and then sometimes, you know, I don't stick to that method. Sometimes I'm like, you know what, we can just skip the welcome song this week. We can go directly into, you know, a three song or something, you know what I mean? Um, but still, and then maybe my call to worship will be the thing that reminds people, Hey, we are here for him. Hey, lift your head, Mm -hmm. lift your eyes to the Lord. Um, so that's typically how I'll plan a song set list. Um, and I found that method really helpful because sometimes obviously, like you said, pray, ask for the Lord's guidance. If he leads you another direction, right. Obviously go with Holy spirit, but I do believe that he gives us certain tools to help us as well. Um, so that's one of them. And then as far as like anything else, whether, 
it's a speaking element, like bringing up scripture during a song, um, exhortations for the congregation or um, prayer. Like we really like Mm -hmm. prayer, um, like a prayer element or communion, you know, those sorts of things. Um, Really that, that just comes as, uh, as I'm in my time with the Lord or as I'm talking with other people, um, you know, the Lord will give that direction or he'll put a verse on my heart or he'll um, maybe put like, I'd like to know as a worship leader, I think it's very important to know what your congregation needs because, um, you know, they might need a word of encouragement. They might, and every congregation is going to be different. So you can't just copy and paste something that you see another worship leader doing. You can take guidance from them, but every congregation is different. And, um, how you know that is by being with the people. Like you have to have conversations, you have to have relationships with the actual people in your congregation. Um, so a lot of the time, uh, it'll be for me like, or conversations with my small group or with people on a Sunday or throughout the week, if we get together for lunch or something like, I like knowing what's going on in people's lives because then the Lord can speak to me and tell me, Hey, you know, this person might need to hear this or multiple people, like just as a whole, the congregation, here's where the church is at this moment in time. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, So he, he definitely gives that direction for that as well. But nice. That's kind of how I plan it. <laughs> Who's your uh, inspiration in worship? Oh, I have many. I love Carrie Job and Cody Carnes. They're like couple goals right there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so they they really I just love their hearts of worship. Um, their authenticity. You can tell they're really genuine in their worship. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like worship. Um, I mean, from the Bible, David, (laughs) (laughs) I just love how abandoned he is before the Lord. Um, but as far as like today's inspirations, um, definitely I love the belonging co I love passion. Um, I love what they're doing with worship and, um, how they lead people, um, into that place of encounter with Jesus, I think is really important. So, yeah. Those are my big inspirations for sure. Nice. I mean, I was looking for the Holy Spirit for an answer. Oh, I'm just sorry. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I mean, but yeah, really. No. Um, Definitely Holy Spirit. Too, yeah. <laughs> make that clear. That's first. The biggest I thought that inspiration. Was assumed, yeah, yeah. Since I just talked about how he leads me in set preparation. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Um, it's like, you're, nope, that's the wrong answer, Sarah. Sorry. It's Holy Spirit is what you need to say. That's the wrong number. We'll cut, we'll cut that and, uh, put it in for your real answer. And, um, yeah. So if you go back to like the nineties, if you can remember your (laughs) nineties, I know. And just Hillsong taking over the worship culture of the time to where we are now where essentially overall most churches let's say um not necessarily one of your inspirations but maverick city taking over a lot you had in the 90s shout to the lord and now you have gyra with Mm -hmm. um maverick city and they're 
I, for me, I see this shift. Um, and, um, and I mean, where, I mean, cross culturally, right. You're, mm-hmm. you got worship all over the world, but I'm talking about Western evangelical worship right now in America. And what has caused a shift to be this, Hey, we're in a small dingy basement <laughs> with a, with a four string guitar, um, just worshiping God, praying out loud to, we need on a Sunday morning, the best sound, the best lights, the best, what has changed and why has the expectation of people um, when they go into churches, expectation of Christians. I don't think non-Christians have any expectation when they're going into church um, other than they need it or something. Um, But when it comes to the worship sound, I think that we attract people to, the to certain sound rather than to God, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and why do you think that has changed over the years and how do we get back to the actual heartbeat of worship as a whole? Yeah. I mean, that's a big question. Like, yeah. That's a really big question and it's a really good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, honestly, I think it comes down to our culture in America as consumers Like we were raised on consumerism. So um, unfortunately for Christians as well, we are tempted by that. We want that. We're consumers ourselves. And it's really easy in today's world, especially to become um, consumer Christians, meaning that when we come to church, we want to enjoy the experience for ourselves. You know, we want to enjoy. Very individualism. We want to be entertained. Yeah, it's all about me. It's all about me. Um, now, that to say, I don't think that having uh, excellence in your worship band, I don't think having um, lights and pretty things on the stage, you know, to make it aesthetically pleasing are in and of themselves bad. No, not um, at all. I don't think that at all. Um, because I believe that the Lord asks us to serve him with excellence. I also believe that he created us to be creative because we are made in his image and he's the, the creator. So yeah. he designed us to be creative and using, um, our creative eye to write new songs, to design stages, to design lighting, you know, all those things. I think those are honoring to him. Um, because we are using the gifts that he's given to us. Yeah. But the problem happens when we make it about ourselves versus him. And I know that sounds like very cliche, (laughs) but I think honestly, that's what it comes down to because a heart, a true heart of worship is one that is completely surrendered to the Lord and completely like less of me, more of you, you know? Absolutely. Let me die to myself. Let me um, take away all the consumerism so that you are the one that's on the throne. Like all this staging, all this lights, all this band and music isn't for our entertainment, but it's because we want to ascribe to you to the best of our ability and worship you with everything that we have. Yeah. You know? um, so coming back to your question of, was it like, why do I think that shift? I think I 
answered that, didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, essentially, yeah. I think because over the time, I mean, I think Hillsong was a real shift in our culture of worship um, back in the 90s. Shout to the Lord came out, all these other songs, that and Vineyard. Um, do you know much about Vineyard worship? I don't know. I don't yeah. know Vineyard. I know so, Shout to the Lord. You you definitely know some vineyard songs. Um, you don't know you know vineyard songs, but you know you you got them. You know them, um, and so they I think were very catalyst to, um, and the height of the mega church. I mean, you have you know Willow Creek and all these things that are just doing these things, and I think that trying even pastors. I was thinking about this the other day when I was preaching this past Sunday and I was like, I want God to reveal to me my preaching style, my, my, the, the creativeness in me, not mm-hmm. the creativeness in somebody else that I'm emulating. Right. Yep. And I think that our culture has become this, how do we sound like Maverick city? Well, mm-hmm. I don't think God wants you to sound like Maverick city. I think you can say like, yeah, do those songs but use your voice, use your, your talent, use what you have, your heart. I don't mm-hmm. care about the song. I don't care about, I care about your heart towards me yeah. um, more than anything. But I think that we've, like you said, the consumerism has been like, we seen people succeed and the whole idea of the American dream yep. is like, I need to succeed and I'm going to copy whoever else is succeeding. Not necessarily you, but I'm just saying as a culture and, and church, churchy cultureness um, has been like that. And I think we've gotten away from that heart of worship. Um, and that's why Matt Redman wrote that song. I'm coming back to yeah. the heart of worship because they came to a place in their worship ministry where it became about more than just Jesus. Yeah. And all you need it all you need is Jesus. So when they like took everything away and really focused as I, I mean, I believe this is at least the story that I've heard is for their whole church. Like they, for months, they just, just a man and his guitar. That's it. Amazing. To come back to the heart of worship, because it's not about, it's not about all the bells and whistles, like all God cares about, like in scripture, he says, all I care about is your heart. Like I just want, your heart. And, uh, I think we need to be constantly reminded of that, that it's, it's not about us. It's about him. Yeah. I was just at a conference. Um, just, I just went for the night and, um, I feel like we've come, we've, we have come to the point where we we rely so much on the sound, the equipment, the lights, everything, but the power goes out. What do you do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was just, so we were at this conference and the power goes out and um. <laughs> there, and they, they literally start the song. Um, uh, what was the song? It's, uh, did you feel the mountains tremble or did you hear the mountains tremble? I love that song. Just it's fun. It's dance upbeat right as they started psh, power goes out and they're like, what do we do? Like literally everybody on stage just didn't, didn't know what to do. And like, I get it. Like you're trying to get your bearings and stuff. You're like, what's going on? Is there anything working and stuff? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like, just keep, just keep worshiping. Yeah. You know, yeah. everybody. You it, tell it if you have to. <laughs> yeah. It was powerful. Cause 
they started and everybody in the audience kept singing and clapping and worshiping. And then he, then he just like grabs his acoustic guitar and starts playing and starts like yelling it. Then all of a sudden the power comes back on. I was like, that was so cool, but I never want to get to a place where we don't have power and we forget the actual power from God. Yeah. The o- no. I was about to say the only power you yeah. need is the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I like went from conference to conference last week and, and I was in Portland at the art of teaching and th- we only did two worship times and it was just one guy, a bunch of pastors and teachers in the room, one guy on his piano, no mic really. And just mm-hmm. worshiping, leading these songs. And it was, it was just a powerful time. And because you have these people who have this heart yeah. to worship God, to put God first. And um, yeah, I don't know. I just been like, I wanted to talk to you about worship because I know you have that heart and you, and I think it's even developing in you because God's calling it out of you, calling that gold in you. I mean, even brand, uh, our Brandon calling it out of you, pastor Brandon, um, you know, just being like, Hey, Sarah, like, I see this in you. I fasted for six months, prayed about it. My wife did too. You're called to lead worship. And, you know, and that's how amazing is it for somebody to call that out of you? And then it just opens your heart more to the realities of God, you know? And, and so that's, I mean, I'm going off on tons of tangents right now, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, like what, I don't even know. I don't know where to, where to go from there. And, um, when, I guess when, when you look at different styles of worship, I say styles as a, there is different styles, especially in American worship. You know, uh, you got your Bethel who are very charismatic and, will go off free worshiping like crazy. Um, sometimes they don't even do their songs. They're just like, God's giving me this worship word and stuff. And they just go off. And, um, and then you got very keep with the schedule worship. And I've been on both sides of it all. Mm-hmm. I don't think anything is, I don't think anything's wrong. I don't think anything is, is right. And the right way to do it. Um, but when you're in the middle of a set and uh, you know, you're, you're leading worship for the, the people you're in front of, mm-hmm. what is um, what's going on in your like mind? Like, are you like, I've led worship before. I'm not a worship leader, but I have led worship before. <laughs> and I'm, and when I was leading worship, I think I had, there's powerful services when I led worship because I could care less mm-hmm. and I wasn't leading people. And I was like, I'm just going to be undignified as the, mm-hmm. as David uses. And, and I think that just poured into everybody, but for you, what, what would you say as a worship leader is the main focus when you're on stage besides, you know, your audience of one, what is your yeah. main focus of like when you're leading a congregation? So Obviously, like you said, audience of one. One thing that um, that I learned a few years ago that really stuck out to me is 
you can't lead people where you haven't been. Mm-hmm. So that means like throughout the week, like I have to get my heart right before the Lord, before I can go on stage and expect to lead them in worship, you know, yeah. um, first my heart has to be abandoned before I can expect anybody else to be abandoned, you know? Um, but you know, and leading from that authentic place of worship. But when I'm actually on stage as worship leader, it's an interesting um, line to balance on because yes, you are completely, like you want to be completely focused on the Lord, but at the same time, you can't leave the congregation behind. You can't just go somewhere and just leave them hanging. You know, you can't go up to the mountaintop to see God and leave them all at the bottom of the hill. Right. Um, it's not done that way anymore. (laughs) So, um, something I try and do is open my eyes. I mean, it sounds so simple, but, um, you know, when we're in worship, we like to close our eyes. We like to be just with God, which is great. But as worship leader, like you have to open your eyes. Like, I think you have to read the room. Um, yeah. I've learned that a lot from either conferences I've been at or um, podcasts mm-hmm. <laughs> from other worship leaders, but um, like reading the room is really important. And also um, the time and preparation before the actual Sunday in your alone time with Holy Spirit is also really important because come Sunday, like you need to be in that place where you can lean into him and trust like what he's telling you is what he's telling you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so reading the room, opening your eyes, seeing how people are responding to where you're at. Um, and then from there, like from what you observe and then ask the Holy spirit as you're still singing, (laughs) but, um, and then just trying to, um, gauge like what he's saying to you from your own observation of like, okay, say, you know, people just seem tired this morning. Like people are just like, sometimes we'll come in on a Sunday and I can just feel the atmosphere of the room is just tired, like sleepy, especially in Rochester in the dead of winter. Like there's a lot of Sundays when people- The fact that people walk in those doors during those winters is crazy. (laughs) So knowing that and knowing when they might need an exhortation or encouragement. I'll, I'll just stop in the, or not stop, but like, I might know like, Hey, an instrumental is coming up. This is my opportunity to address the congregation. And just, I'll just remind them, or if scripture comes to mind, or if God gives me a specific word for the congregation, I'll just take that opportunity to speak, to speak to them. Speak and condemn the sleepers. (laughs) (laughs) that or like hey this is what the lord is saying or hey remember that the lord did hey remember we have a um a reason to rejoice like remember that even when we're feeling like this like he is worthy no matter what so i think as a worship leader like my main job is just to remind people to remind people of the purpose to remind people the why um and or there might be some Sundays, like there's a Sunday, a couple Sundays ago where I'm like starting my call to worship and people are just really chatty talking. <laughs> they might be coming into this, the worship center late and they, and this doesn't normally happen. So I was like, Whoa, why is everyone talking so much? Like right. we're starting. So, uh, 
you know, that was at the beginning though. So when things like that happen, I just lengthen my call to worship a little bit, try and grab their attention. But like in the actual worship service, like by the time, like if people are like towards the end, you can now, like this definitely took some practice and just experience from being Mm -hmm. on stage and leading. But I feel like after doing this for a few years now, I have a, a good sense of like, when people are really engaged and it's not time to stop versus like, Hey, we're worshiping, you know, this is, you know, he has been worshiped. We're good. Like, you know, you don't have to like cut short, but like, you know, like sometimes it's like people have worshiped. It's time to end. Sometimes it's like, no, like people are ready to linger, linger in the spirit, just keep going. And, um, you know, sometimes, uh, (laughs) <laughs> I might hear about it later, but right, but, <laughs> but it's okay because you know we have to be respectful of like yeah um the kids ministry and things like that. But there is a time and a place to linger, and um you know in those times, especially like, if God's doing something, and yeah, like, when He's yeah. doing something, like you can't stop it. So I just rely on um you know my inklings from the Holy spirit and, you know, hope that they're right. Sometimes I doubt myself, but then I'm reminded like, no, like you're, (laughs) he put you here for a reason. Yeah, He he is the one giving you this direction. And, um, most of the time it turns out great. Like that was the right call. You know, there have been times where I don't listen. And then later, um, like one time, uh, so me and our pastor have a, a debrief after Sundays every Tuesday. And one time in our meeting, we we're like, man, we really should have done that. I'm like, I thought the same thing. He's like, you thought that I thought the same thing. Why didn't we just do it? And yeah. I was like, I don't know. But like when both, like, that's when, you know, it's the Holy spirit. Cause there's affirmation there that you both had the same like yeah. nudge. And then, um, I, I didn't listen. So then it was like, man, we really should have done this X, Y, and Z, you know? Yeah. Um, so after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to listen from now on. <laughs> just going to do it. Yeah. Yep, we're just going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's the program. Yeah. Here it goes. Yeah. Yep. It, Jonathan Helsler has a quote that says spontaneity is the spont- spontaneity is the fruit of preparation. Yeah. I heard that. Okay. And it's I just a, that. it's just such a good quote, especially in, especially if you're charismatic, Pentecostal, anything like that. Um <laughs> Which I've seen it all, but I've been in churches where people have literally don't care about the band and will release their set list Sunday morning right before. And the band has had no time to even like sit in the presence of what they're going to be leading on their instruments, you know, and like the band is so important to the worship right and like oh well i was just waiting on holy spirit to give me this worship set i mean i was in college and that's how it was and um uh, at, at elam everybody was like oh this like i'm just waiting on holy spirit i'm like well i'm like holy like why are you delaying the holy spirit like or yeah. why are you blaming the holy spirit for your lack of preparation yeah like that's yeah. that's so not cool and um yeah and it's like i'm i'm all about spontaneous worship like but spontaneous worship, you'll hear from anybody, is not made up stuff on the moment. Right. It is deep-rooted scripture in people. It is deep-rooted um, just moments in that secret place that you're saying with God that that comes out. That's that's the preparation. That's that's what God's Over, doing. It's the overflow. 
yeah. of your preparation, whether preparation means like, and I'm not talking about like preparation as a worship leader. I'm like talking about your own heart's preparation, like yeah. being in the word, being with the spirit. It's the overflow of that. And uh, I just want to say something real quick about like not preparing and like doing that to your band. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing that, I mean, there have been times where something might change on a Sunday morning because yeah. of the, what the Holy spirit is doing and either during rehearsal or during the actual set, but not allowing the band to prepare anything. I think one, it does one of two things. It doesn't allow you to play with the full excellence that, that you want to give the, like, if I'm not preparing for a Sunday morning, then yeah. I'm not really doing the best that I can for the Lord. I'm not giving my absolute best because my absolute yeah. best would have prepared more and made sure that I don't have anything that can be distracting or pull somebody out of that place of worship. You know, that's the other thing. It's like, yeah. we don't want to do anything as a worship band to take anyone out of that place of encounter. We don't want any distractions. That's like the baseline, you know? And yeah. then the other thing is that, you know, we are doing this for an audience of one, but I also think it's really important as a leader to respect the people on your team by giving them a heads up. <laughs> yeah. You know? Because I, I just think that the Lord also talks about how important relationships are and mm -hmm. like in a relationship with a person on my team or, um, you know, the team as a whole, like I am not being a very good leader if I'm not respecting their time, respecting their efforts to volunteer, yeah. like, and that can cause friction in a relationship. And that's not worth, like, I think the Lord cares more about your relationships with your brothers and sisters than, oh, if I, oh, I can't believe you didn't sing this song instead of this one to me on Sunday, right. you know, oh, for sure. <laughs> it's more about the relationships you're building in the body of Christ yeah. than, because he's going to be worshiped no matter what song you pick, you know? Yeah. I mean, like you can literally just say one word over and over again. Yeah. Like you just say, I love you, God. I love you, God. I love you, God. Over and over again. But if your heart is like over here and you're saying, I love you, God, I love you, God. And not actually on God. He's just like, what, what do you, who, who, do you actually love me? Like, are you actually turned towards me? doesn't matter the song. doesn't matter even the, the sound. Like, like we were saying, like, there's just sometimes that like one guitar could just be like the, the most amazing worship set because it's all about how are you as a leader spending your time during the week in the presence of God and prioritizing his presence in your life to be able to lead that in the congregation on Sunday. Yeah. Not just, um, as a leader, but how are you as a leader encouraging the rest of your team yeah. to also be doing that? Because it's not just one person. It's nope. like at, something we talk about in, um, our worship ministry is like, every single person is a worship leader on yeah. Sunday morning and the sound guy, the guy holding the door. Yeah. Oh. You're, you're the one preparing the place to meet for the people coming in to meet Jesus. And if your own heart is not prepared, then how is that place going to pre be prepared for them? And, um, also 
just like, again, going back to the authenticity and genuineness of your own worship, like how can you, whether you're singing, whether you're playing drums, piano, guitar, whatever it is, how can you play and like play these songs when, you know, your own heart is not right before the Lord. So like every Sunday we'll, we'll spend some time. We spend time in prayer before service, but a lot of the time I'll be like, Hey, like before we even rehearse, before we even sound check, we're just going to spend some time in personal prayer and then we'll do group prayer, but like personal prayer. I don't know what you walked in with this morning or what happened throughout your week or over the weekend, but we're going to lay it down before the Lord together because otherwise we won't like all this is in vain. Like it's not authentic. There's something about powerful about confessing to God. Mm -hmm. Even this book I was reading, he, he talks about the, the power of just like, confessing to God. And, um, you know, there, there is a time to confess to your peers and stuff as well to get outwardly help, but inwardly help. I mean, outwardly help can help you inwardly, but confessing it to God, like he knows, right. But he wants that relationship with you. He goes, can you be like, God, I, I did this this week. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Like, forgive me. He's like, I already forgave you on the cross, right? And he's just like, he goes, but thank you for telling me. I want to take that from you. Why do you yeah. feel like you had to do that? Like, like, th- I mean, that's me personally, how, how conversations that I have with God, like, you know, and and dealing with the inner self before you even come to worship. Like, I, that's something I practice. Yeah. Because I'm like, I'm like, when I love worship, I love worshiping on Sunday. Um, I'm charismatic when I worship. And I'm a full body worshiper and I want nothing that I've been dealing with to get as a distraction. That's stuff I can deal with later. And, and I love that you do that with a band. I didn't even know that that's, I think more people need to do that in worship because I mean, worship is one of the most intimate things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Music is intimate. Holy spirit is intimate. And when you bring all that together, the most powerful things in this world, Holy Spirit and, and music, in, intimate things that hit the heart, and you bring that into a worship team, I've seen it tear worship teams apart because mm-hmm. a, 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 what do you call it? a counterfeit of intimacy comes in because yeah. now people's hearts are getting intertwined in this intimacy and it in the enemy comes in to distract you to tear apart what is good for God. Now I've seen people just tear, tear up their lives because it's such an intimate part of life and what we do towards God. And the fact that you can have a team with accountability and integrity, and it's not always perfect, but like just to be able to build that and that, that as you as a leader, that is your main, like goal Mm -hmm. is it's, 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 it's going to revolutionize worship culture. Yeah. I really think um, like confessing your sins before the Lord, but also I I think of the, um, the passage that says um, if you, if any of you have conflict with each other, Mm. like resolve that before you come to me, like in worship. Yeah. And um, it's like, leave, leave this at the altar, come back, go there. And they would do that over a meal. They would yeah. like back in the early church, they would like have a meal together and, and sit across from the table and be like, Hey, I'm dealing with this. I got beef with you. 
Mm-hmm. Put everything, everything on the table. Okay, we're good. Let's go worship together. Yeah. Cause there's definitely been some of that too. Like you said, like, it's definitely not perfect because we're yeah. all, sinners. we all fall short and there's going to be conflict. Um, but iron sharpens iron. It's not like pillow sharpens pillows, you know, like it's not all fluffy and good all the time. Like yeah. iron, when, when it strikes there's sparks, you know, yeah. so, um, resolving conflict within the team setting, like within the body of Christ, I think is really important and not something that is unfortunately very common in the American church. I don't think, because like a lot of the time we're like, Oh no, I'm fine. Yeah. And we like to bury things thinking we can deal with it ourselves until it just festers and boils underneath the surface and surface and then explodes, which has yep. also happened. But <laughs> you know, when you can get to that place of resolution and reconciliation to be like, okay, cool. We worked this out. Now let's go worship together. It makes such a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, last question for you. Um, when you think of somebody living their authentic life, uh, typically people hear the reason I wrote a book called authentic you was because I wanted people to understand that the, the, uh, the hype around, Oh, I'm, that's just me. Take me as I am. This you, is the, do you. you do you, that whole culture mindset is a facade of what the authentic us is an authentic mm-hmm. life. Um, it's not individual. It's with people. Mm-hmm. It's what God sees you as. And I just want to ask you, when you hear the word, what does living authentic life mean? to you in personally in your life. This is something we're asking everybody. Okay. It comes on here. When I think of living your authentic life, I think that means that you have a heart fully abandoned and surrendered before the Lord Mm. so that you can be the image bearer that he has created you to be because the authentic you is the one that he made. You know, not the one that the world has influenced, not the one that, um, you know, yeah, just that, (laughs) that the world has influenced, but the true authentic you is the one that he has created. So the only way that we can get back to that, or at least as close to that in sanctification as possible while on this side of heaven is to continually seek after the Lord Mm. and and be surrendered to him and his will and becoming more Christ-like becoming more like Jesus and dying to self, like we talked about earlier. So Amazing. That's what I think that living your authentic life means. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for uh, taking this time to be on here. I've spent of course. too much of your time now, but um, we uh, just tell everybody where they can find you. Um, your music, obviously, all that kind of stuff, uh, just so you can get the follows. Um, if they want to follow you, they're like, oh, I this girl inspired me to worship. Um, where can they find you? Um, all of my social media handles are at Sarah with an H, Sarah Rose Songs. Um, and so that's where you can find all my music. Um, Sarah Rose on Spotify, Apple Music, all the streaming platforms. There are other Sarah Roses, but uh, I'm the one with the most recent single of pedals. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, great song. Um, awesome. So yeah, that will also be in the description and, uh, yeah, 
So thanks again, Sarah, for being on your authentic life. And um, absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't think of anybody else to talk about worship. So let's go. You know, you, you're, <laughs> you, you're, you're my worship leader right now. And that's, you know, you've been awesome. So also, so, all right. I'll tell Abby you said hi. Thanks. Love you, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> all right. See ya. Love you too, Josiah. Love you too. All right. Bye. Bye.